850 KFUO Worldwide at KFUO.org. This is the Midday Moments program. It's time now for our moment on the lighter side. And this afternoon, we are going to have a conversation with a special guest who we met for the first time last week. He called himself the Bible History Answer Man. I just hope he remembered we were going to connect with him today. He seemed a little bit, uh, he seemed to have a little bit of a problem with the recollection. So I'm connecting with him now. Hello, sir. Hello. Am I speaking with the Bible History Answer Man? Oh, you, you, you are indeed. Well, sir, this is Gary Duncan with KFUO Radio. Say, hey, 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 hey. I, I'm sorry. I, I gave at the office. I shouldn't be getting phone calls like this anyway. I, I signed up for the National No-Call Registry. I may just have to report you. Wait, wait, Mr. Answerman, I'm not calling for a donation. However, a gift of any size would be appreciated. I, <laughs> I, I'm here to call you because I'm supposed to interview with you today on the radio. Did you forget? Oh, oh, I, I uh, by the way, clever getting the commercial in there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably did. I... I must confess, I, I do have some problems with short-term memory. Now that you mention it, I, I remember writing myself a note about being interviewed. I guess I'll just have to write myself another note to remind myself to look at my other notes. <laughs> well, we're, we're just glad we caught you at home. I, uh, if you recall, though, last week we were talking about Herod Antipas. Oh, Antipas? You mean he was against passing? What kind? The kind you do in school? <laughs> the kind you do in a car? Or the kind they do in a football game? <laughs> oh, oh, my. Oh, excuse me. Oh, that, of course, is a joke. You see his name Antipas, but it sounds like Antipas. Oh, we historians are known for our sense of humor. <laughs> well, a actually, Professor, you, you told us that joke last week, and it wasn't that funny then either. Uh, of course, you know, that's the advantage of having memory problems. You, 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 hear the, you can hear the same joke over and over, and it's just as funny as the first time you heard it. <laughs> yes, and again, funny is a, uh, the, the word there, right? <laughs> Not so much for the rest of us, though. <laughs> Professor, can you get on with the interview? Perhaps I, I, I should review what we had talked about last week. Hmm? Oh, yes, yes, yes. That, that would be a good idea. Uh, for the sake of your listeners. <laughs> yeah, for, for the sake of the listeners, you were telling us Harold Antipas uh, was one of those seven sons of Herod the Great. Yes, yes. Herod the Great was his father. Herod the Great was the Herod we all know and love from the Christmas story. Of Herod the Great's seven sons, three were executed by their father. One disinherited, and the other three survived to inherit their father's kingdom. Yes, that's why, precisely speaking, his son, Herod Antipas, was not really a king, uh, since he only ruled a portion of the kingdom. He was technically only a tetrarch. <laughs> Thank you for that information, and that is an important point for it was Herod Antipas's lifelong dream to reunite his father's kingdom so that he literally could be king. Oh, oh yes, it, it's all coming back to me now. Uh, that's why he married the daughter of the king of the neighboring country of Nabatea. He was seeking to make for himself powerful allies. Yeah, but those plans backfired when he dumped the princess of uh, Nabatea to marry one of his brother's wives, a lady by the name of Herodias. 
Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'm or is it Herodias? Herodias. That's okay. what it is. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Oh, you are using the <laughs> the scholarly Herodias, <laughs> but that's right. I think it's more common. I figured I was Herodias. Ta I'm talking to the professor. I figured I'd have to say it the way I thought you would have said it. <laughs> you're absolutely but right. But you're talking about Herodias, huh? Herodias, yes. Well, that's what your commoners would say. She was the wife, you know, of the disinherited brother Philip, who lived in Rome. And oh, by the way, Herodias was not only Herod Antipas' sister-in-law, but also his niece. You made that point last week, too. You were going to continue that story, and it was at that point uh, where the Bible history begins. I hope you wrote down the rest of the story so you don't forget it. Well, yes, thankfully I did. In, in fact, I have my pages right here in front of me. Let me, let me first say this. Uh, to some people, the idea of a Bible history answer man is an oxymoron. You know, I could see why some might think that you are a moron, but why an oxymoron, Professor? Why, why thank you. Uh, wait, wait, what did you say? Oh, I, I, was, uh, I, I was just asking why people would think that the Bible history would be an oxymoron. You know, that is something that uh, is a contradiction in terms, isn't it? Yeah, yes, well, oxymoron. I, I thought that's what you said. Uh, some would think a, a Bible historian is an oxymoron because they contend the Bible is nothing but a book of stories and myths. What would the Bible have to do with real history? But when one examines the Bible carefully, one discovers that it is definitely a book of history, written, for the most part, by eyewitnesses. When compared with the discoveries of archaeology and the research of other historians, it is a book of incredible accuracy. For example, uh, the story we are about to consider is also recorded in the works of the great ancient historian Josephus. Josephus. Hmm. Yes, Josephus. Oh, oh, do you mean Josephus? Oh, well, that's the common pronunciation. But we scholars prefer the more accurate pronunciation of Josephus. Well, okay, our, our Josephus, as you say, he was no agent of Christianity. He was actually a dyed-in-the-wool Jew. But his history matches closely the record of biblical scripture, although neither is a mere copy of the other, as each contributes its own precise details. But we'll take the story of John. Just John? You mean there's no special academic way to pronounce the name John? Oh, really, Mr. Duncan? You make it sound as if we scholars are putting on airs. No, no, John is just John. <laughs> now, as I was saying, take the story of John the Baptister. <laughs> the Baptister, huh? <laughs> no, the Baptister. <laughs> the Baptister. No, I think you mean the Baptizer. Well, if you insist on such an unsophisticated articulation. Anyway, when Herod Antipas returned home from his brother Philip's house in Rome with his new wife, the whole kingdom knew of this adulterous affair. But, of course, no one was brave enough to mention it. Well, except for John the Baptizer. Yes, John the, the Baptister. <laughs> no, yes, John was an equal opportunity repentance preacher. He called not only the poor to repent, but also the rich and the powerful. Now, naturally, Mrs. Herodias Herod was not too keen on someone sullying her reputation in public. She could do that all by herself. <laughs> oh, good point, Mr. Duncan. 
In defense, rather, of his wife's honor, Herod has John imprisoned. Problem in the dungeons of Marcarius. You know, you think there'd be some strange way to pronounce that name, wouldn't you? <laughs> but I guess it's strange enough to start off with. But well, anyway, John was imprisoned in the so-called Black Fortress, built by the Patriarch Herod the Great. This brings us to another important thing we need to understand about Herod, uh, the Herod we're concerned about, Herod Antipas. And what is that? Well, you know, most people, uh, Gary, think that all bloodthirsty autocratic dictators are alike. But it's just not so. Uh, Castro, for example, was a very cruel man, but, but very charismatic. His brother Raul, on the other hand, was very laid back with a better sense of humor. Now, Herod Antipas did inherit some of his father's ferocious traits, but at the same time, he was also a, a people pleaser. A people pleaser? Yes. So, so while he did have John imprisoned, the Gospel of Mark tells us that Herod also protected him. Why, he would even go down to the dungeon and visit the baptizer, or the, the baptizer, I mean. <laughs> Indeed, Mark tells us when Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Yeah, you know, you could also speculate what Herod, the people pleaser, had to say to John. He said, please don't take it personal. I don't have anything against you. John, I'm just trying to please the missus. <laughs> you know, we historians don't involve ourselves in such speculation. But no doubt, as a people pleaser, he, he wanted to stay on John's good side. Uh, the story continues with Herod Antipas having a birthday party. As a typical people pleaser, he invited all his high officials, military commanders, and the leading men of Galilee. Nothing pleases people as much as a good party, Gary. <laughs> At this party, he was entertained by the dancing of his stepdaughter, Salome, his wife's Herodias child from her first marriage. The name Salome, by the way, is not found in the Bible, but comes to us by the historian Eusebius. I just wanted to note how well these two histories dovetail. Okay, so what happened next? As a people pleaser, Herod was impressed with his stepdaughter's performance and wanted to make her happy. He promised her anything she would ask for, up to half his kingdom, which is a pretty typical fault of most people pleasers. What do you mean, typical fault? Well, often people pleasers, in an attempt to please others, offer what they cannot give. <laughs> Herod only ruled by the kindly permission of the current Roman Caesar. Uh, the kingdom was certainly not his to give away, but it didn't really matter. Uh, Salome didn't want his kingdom anyway. At the urging of her mother Herodias, Salome asked for the head of John the Baptizer on a platter. Hmm. And, and I guess being a people pleaser, it was a request that Herod could not refuse. Well, certainly. I mean, he, he'd taken an oath in front of all these influential people. It, it would be too embarrassing to back down. So he reluctantly had John executed. You, you know, it's the classic dilemma of the people pleaser. You constantly find yourself caught in the middle, where it is difficult to please everyone and impossible to please yourself. And so we've come to the end of the story, as recorded in Scripture. And the story is, as I've written it on the pages in front of me. <laughs> I've run out of pages. But as I recall, let me think about it. It's not the end of the story, I don't think. It isn't? But uh, the Bible tells us the end of John the Baptist. Oh, 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 but the secular historians also tell us of the end of King Herod. And I think, if I remember correctly, it's a very interesting tale. Ooh, would you like to hear the rest of the story about 
the end of King Herod. Oh, yeah, that would be great, but I think we need to wait until next week. Okay, that'd be great. Let me make a note of it until we talk again. Now, again, don't forget, make a note, and then make another note that you have a note. And you might want to even make another note. And then look at the note. Remember to make a note to look at the note, okay? Oh, that's a good idea. You know, I'll do that right away, but I I can't remember where I left my paper and pencil. (laughs) Okay. Well, we'll talk to you uh, next week, Professor. We'll, We'll talk to him hopefully next week on the program. We are the messenger of good news. This is Worldwide, KFUO.org, AM 850 in the St. Louis region.